Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father Son Packers podcast. I am your host, Tommy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how you doing? Doing well. I'm I'm actually here in Wisconsin, home state of the Packers. Um, in time for some heat and humidity, but uh, it's nice to see um, Packer people wearing Packers gear and Packers gear in the stores. Um, so that's nice. And I, and I had some deep fried cheese curds this week, twice this week already. Twice this week already. Have you gotten frozen custard yet? I have not had frozen custard yet. But okay. I have, okay. But I have well, hit, just get some. Hit, get some for me. I've hit the traditional cheese curds. Okay. Which you can't well, as long get as you're hitting the deep, you can't get deep fried cheese curds out in California. You can't even really get regular cheese curds out in California. You can't it's get almost fresh not even worth curds it. out there. It's just they're, they're not fresh. They're not. They're not right. No, not at all. Um, but anyway. Thanks so much for joining me from our home state of Wisconsin, or home-ish state, I suppose. But I'm sure it is nice to be seeing a bunch of Packers fans. And we are here, as always, to talk about the Packers. Today, we are going to talk a little bit about the second open practice of OTAs. And then we're kind of beginning to wind down our deep dives into the prospects. We're going to be talking today about Sean Clifford, um, Grant DeBose, and Lou Nichols. So we're kind of doing three at once since we're getting towards the end of the draft, a little less to talk about for each of them. But we'll still be giving you plenty of information, so don't you worry. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some news and notes. Uh, there are some things around the Packers that we got to talk about, I'm sure, um, and some things that are about around the Jets that I guess we have to talk about as well. Um, and we, but we before may we do that, I just not, wanted to pit- we, we, oh, exactly. we may or may not stay on the rails. Yes, we may or may not. Uh, but before we do that, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you enjoy what you heard here, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new episodes. Uh, we tweet out articles we find interesting pieces of news. Um, for instance, the OTAs were today, so we were retweeting anything and everything we could find in terms of clips and announcements and stuff like that. Uh, so come give us a follow there if you enjoy what you heard. And then come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Even on YouTube, we put all of our episodes up there if you subscribe on youtube we'd really appreciate it because it would really help our numbers but dad let's get down to it and let's start with the news uh let's talk about the otas first so unfortunately let's start with some bad news injuries and absences so unfortunately uh let's start with the absences so these are optional of course no player has to be there they may have a very good reason for not being there uh but players who were not in attendance were jair alexander Rasul Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon, and Jonathan Garvin were not in attendance. And, and then, unfortunately, and so still those, some... So I think Nixon was... Was Nixon there last week? I believe Nixon was at the last one, yes, because we so, were talking so about got... players playing outside corner. Right, so only three players have missed both open to the media sessions. I think Jair, yes. Rasul, and Garvin. People, other, the other, that sounds other right. who missed last week came in this week. Yeah, and that sounds right. And then the interesting one for that was that Alexander and Douglas do have workout bonuses for OTAs, so they are forfeiting some money for not being there, but is what it is. Uh, Injury-wise, uh, unfortunately, some not uh, some players missing. We don't really know the severity of them, but Stokes, obviously, still not practicing. Gary, obviously, still not practicing. Jake Hansen, still not practicing. Dontavian Wicks, not practicing. Tucker Craft, not practicing. And Grant DeBose, still not practicing, so... That is a bit unfortunate, and we did unfortunately have a few players exit early as well. Uh, Devontae Wyatt exited practice early and then did not participate in the 11-on-11s. And then Bakhtiari did practice today. Uh, He was back, as was Elton Jenkins um, and uh, Preston Smith and Dallin Levitt, who missed the last open OTAs but were at this one. But Bakhtiari did not practice in 11-on-11s. I don't think he exited early to injury. I just don't think they... I guess the plan wasn't to have him participate in 11-on-11s, you know. With his knee, probably just, just load, taking it just easy. Just load management, right? Probably yeah. just load management. Which is, I I think, is the right decision with everything that he's had to go through. And then let's end on some good news. Um, Quay Walker was practicing despite getting banged up in the last open OTAs. Um, I was a little worried just because he didn't finish practice then, but looks like he's good to go. He practiced. Everything seems fine for him. Um, but dad, let's move on to the interesting notes. And this is something that you kind of spotted at the last ones, but Zach Tom is getting the initial starting reps at right tackle, uh, with the O-line. They went, uh, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, and then Tom at right tackle. He did rotate with Nyman during the 11-11s on, um, 
uh, who was playing at that spot with the starters. But definitely something to kind of keep an eye on. And would you like to take your small victory lap? Yeah, so one thing I'd like to add to that, you know, you kind of picked up on that. It looked like Tom had put on some good weight in the offseason, which is was kind of his biggest weakness, his, his size. So if he's been put on some more size and functional strength, then that really could set him up to be a very good in the NFL, yeah. considering how well if he, he can... did everything else. If he can put, like, the weight on and then maintain the foot speed and stuff, I mean, he there's... Sky's the limit because there were definitely times where I was like, is Mercedes Lewis bigger than you? I'm really not sure. <laughs> he definitely might be. Which one of you is the tackle and which one's the tight end? I got a lot of people say he was. Think that's kind of what I was thinking. Year. But here's, here's a question. Yeah. You, know, you mentioned like he was no rotate, rotating with diamond in the 11 elevens. Um, what do they do with left tackle with Bakhtiari? Not in the 11 on 11s. Ah, Caleb Jones was starting at left tackle. In the 11 on 11. He started a left tackle 11 Which is interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah. You'd think, like, maybe they'd go... You, well, you'd think they'd maybe go, like, Rasheed Walker. Um, I guess uh, Caleb Jones, we just didn't get to see much of him last year because he did have mono for most of the year. Uh, but they did keep him on the 53 all of last year. So it is interesting that they went with him to start at left tackle there. Well, I think he was ahead of Walker and the depth chart last year in, in uh, training camp and preseason. He had some reps in there where he put a couple of nice plays on tape. Uh, well, well we have to remember we, we have to remember with Walker was Walker was hurt for a lot of the preseason last this year. This is true. He had the foot injury, so he couldn't work out, and he's probably still recovering from that. So this this is fair. Yeah. And then some other interesting notes from OTAs today. Uh, Colby Wooden, uh, rookie out of Auburn, uh, fourth round pick, was filling in for Wyatt at defensive tackle with the ones when uh, Wyatt went out. And then uh, LaFleur said Stokes might be ready for some individual work by the end of OTAs, but doesn't expect him to do any team reps before the end of offseason activities. So I'm guessing he's probably not going to be ready by week one. But that still sounds he's like ahead of where I expected. If he's going to start doing some uh, some individual workout, not just be, you know, kind of rehab work during OTAs. That's that's a little bit ahead of where I expected at this point. Um, I thought maybe he'd only be yeah. doing uh, rehab during OTAs and mandatory minicamp, and then maybe start doing individual stuff late in training camp. And so this is in some ways a little bit ahead of where I, I, I take this as a positive development compared to where I was expecting based on this uh, description of the injury and where he was at in terms of being in a wheelchair in January. So I'd say that yeah. he's making progress. Um, the wooden thing is also, I think he was the kind of, next man up in the D-line last week as well and seems to be ahead of... Well, there's not many not, not many people there for him to be ahead of, to be fair. <laughs> like, the list is kind of short. It's true. Because I took note of that and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I was like, he's getting reps over. And then I looked and I was like, ah, <laughs> not really anyone else they're going to put there. Yeah, it's, it's like I think Ford would have been the... Yeah, Ford or Chris Slayton would have been the ones I would have thought just because they've been there longer. But it seems like they're just letting Wooden slide right into that spot. Yep. Um, beyond that, though, I think those are the most interesting takeaways from OTAs today. Uh, seems like Love had another kind of, you know, some good passes, some bad passes. Uh, Musgrave had a really good day, according to the people that were there. Uh, he oh. just looked really natural. The, the one, the one um, video then, clip I saw that a lot of people posted was that catch he makes the ball, the ball I, probably, I don't know who threw it, but it's a little bit behind him, but he does a spinning catch and almost doesn't break stride as he lands and continues yeah, going downfield. A nice little pirouette for sure. Uh, and then it seemed like to me, just based on the feed everyone had going, uh, Dobbs had a quite a nice day. And then in the 11 on 11s, the starter started in 11 personnel with Jones Deguara, and then Reed in the slot with Dobbs and Watson on the outside. Okay, so that, as opposed to the, I think it was 21 personnel last week, where they had... Yes, yes. Um, so, okay. And so then Reed in the defensively, slot ahead of, uh, ahead of Toure. Yes, and Reed was uh, in the slot ahead of Toure in the last open OTAs too. So, I'm not, I'm not that surprised. Um, I mean, you take him with the top 50 pick... I would be a little surprised if, like, even though Torrey's been there longer, even though they've talked very highly of him, I would be surprised if a seventh rounder from two years ago is, is ahead of him at this point. Fair. Yeah. So beyond that, though, we do have a little bit of other news to talk about. 
And that is the story from Matt Schneidman of The Athletic, uh, where he spoke with Aaron Rodgers, kind of... It, it, that just seems like everyone wants to have the last word in edgewise, I guess, at this point. Right. Um, I mean, you could probably so go pretty... another five or six articles uh, given Gutekunst and Rodgers a different turn, saying that given the last word. Hey, it's the off season. We need the content, I guess. I'll take I'll take whatever content I can get, I guess. Um, but pretty much the gist of the article was he was essentially uh, Schneiman reached out to Rogers and then Rogers gave some comments, essentially on Gutekunst's comments about not being able to um, get a hold of Rogers. Um, I think the most interesting pieces from this um, article, besides essentially Rogers like refuting a lot of the things Gutekunst said, so it's like a bit of a he said he said scenario. Um, but I thought the most interesting piece from the article was in 2021, uh, Rogers' agent called uh, Mark Murphy and asked to either fire Gudikins or trade Rogers. essentially, was like the ultimatum they gave. That ultimately didn't come to anything, but I thought that was interesting to hear that. It, that um, was the rumor the at thing... the time, actually. Remember that that actually was going around as yeah. he was asked for that. And then, then people kind of blew it off, or is this real or not? And so now it's, it seems to be coming out that this was, though... Apparently, what Rogers say it was his agent who said that. I didn't say it. My agent said that. Uh, which of is course, like, of course. <laughs> I mean, the article completely, is di- it's completely it's different. different. Two different things entirely. Um, but uh, the article has got a lot of lot of stuff in it. It's a uh, yeah, fascinating read, anyway. Yeah, and then the other interesting things. I mean, a lot of it's just like. Like, oh, essentially Rogers is saying, like, oh, Gutekunst said he couldn't get a hold of me or, like, couldn't get in contact with me, but I did respond. I didn't ghost him. I would just take a little while to respond. And so it's like, okay, like, we're did really just, like, I mincing words ghost... here. Well, I mean, Rogers yes. was mincing words. He said he, d- he said he didn't go. I he didn't said he didn't ghost. The... It was pretty much. He didn't ghost the team. Isn't that no, the way he No, I think he it? said. He said there wasn't any ghosting, I think, was the there way he phrased ghosting. it, okay. if I remember correctly. I can't, can't, can't um, remember how carefully parsed I mean, if that we're, sentence was. If you want to talk about... He, would, he likes if you want to talk about parsing words very carefully. If you want to talk about quotes that were very, very interesting, is like, I talk to people I like was quite the quote. Um, so that, that'll tell you how he feels about Gutekunst. Yeah, that's... Um, uh... but, yeah, it is yeah, what it yeah, is. There's a, that, that, that had a very specific meaning. Yes, and then the other interesting pieces were uh, Rogers believing that Russ Ball was really the only member of the front office to improve their communication after he like requested better communication, um, and that Green Bay didn't feel... It, the other thing was that essentially, uh, from an anonymous source, um, Steinman said that the Packers didn't feel like Rogers was as committed in 2022, and they they weren't as satisfied with his level of commitment. With that being like missing OTAs and missing parts of the off season program, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, you know things like this kind of come out when you have a really tough season, and I think it just kind of cements in my mind that it was just kind of time to move on for time. both parties. And and can we yeah. just actually move on? Because it feels like we've said we're moving on and we're still here. Uh, we're still we taking some blame. We are contributing to the problem that we are bemoaning by, by spending I, this much oxygen. On, I mean, it's amazing how much this dominated Twitter today. Um, you know, a, an article about a, about a Jets player. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, we're really just recycling like the a lot of the same talking points, and I feel like we have to talk about it because it was one of the biggest stories for the Packers today, and it and it came out today as we're recording to you Wednesday night, May thirty first. But I'm just like, can we just move on? Like, I, can we actually move on? We've we've moved on entirely. We don't need to keep doing this. Like, I, I'm not. This isn't like a shot shot at Schneiderman or anything. I thought it was a very well written article, and it was it was very. I would yeah. think. Like well written, call it like the, the article of the article of the off season. Yeah, it was a very good article. It had some good quotes, but I'm just like, can we just can we just stop? Can we just like can we just be done? Can we just like w- we went our separate ways? You're like Rogers is a jet now. Like wishing the best for him there, wishing all the success in the world, uh, wishing for us to get as good a draft pick as we can though. At the same time, wishing for uh, him to play 65 percent of the snaps. Yep, and then sure. I mean, and Rogers said some. Uh, and Roger said some nice things about love in the article too. Like you should go, everyone should go read it if they can, if they have a subscription to the athletic. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good read. 
Um, but let's move on, Dad. We are giving this a lot of oxygen. Uh, the only other piece of news, really, is that the Packers will be doing some joint practices with the Bengals, as well as the previously announced ones with the Patriots during the preseason. I think that's just good for the team to get as many reps against like yeah. real competition as possible. I was pleasantly surprised to hear this. I was I did not expect joint practices with two different teams. But yes, I think especially with a young team, this is this is good to have yeah, two different definitely sets of good. I think practices against two different teams with uh, you know kind of different strengths. I think it's a good thing. And it's it's kind of unusual, I think, to have two different have not, joint practices. I've never heard of this before, but maybe I just haven't paid enough attention around the league. But I have not heard of teams I have season practices with two different teams before. Me either. And so that that was just something to note. I think it'll be very good for the team. Uh, but, Dad, that's kind of it for news and notes. Should we move on to some deep dives into these players, starting with Sean Clifford? Yep. So we have uh, three, three, the last three offensive players that we drafted. Um, we're going to do them in draft order. So it's kind of a mix of mix of positions, though. But Sean Clifford being the first one, a uh, fourth-round pick, QB from Penn State, pick 149. Um, the second of their fourth round picks, right? Had uh, Wooden yes. and then Clifford. And so my initial reaction yeah. when this happened was, oh, that's a reach <laughs> to take him that early. <laughs> With a lot of people pick, you know, um, projecting him as a seventh rounder or Udva. And actually, just to quickly interject, actually, it was the second of their fifth round picks. Oh, sorry. Second of their fifth round. Yeah, they only had one and fourth. Yeah, second of the yes. Second of the first yeah. of their fifths. Mm, what's the first of their fifths? You're right because it went Clifford yeah, and then Wicks. It's Clifford. It's 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 Wooden then Clifford then Wicks, and I just yeah. I just drew the I drew the uh, the round line in the wrong place. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Rick, so, but pick one forty nine still. But anyway, um, initial the, thoughts. So generally, what were your initial my, thoughts on the pick? That I thought it was a bit of a reach because I, I think it's generally kind of bad process to get so attached to a single player that you don't get the most for your draft value. Though you could see, like, they definitely made this pick because of the run on QBs that happened just before. <laughs> right? I have a quote on that for later. I, I have a quote on that for later. We can do the, okay, we have a direct yeah, we'll, quote from Gutekunst. We will, we'll talk we about get, it. We will get back to this, listeners. <laughs> so, how about you? What, were your, what, so, what was your initial reaction? Yeah, so my reaction came more from just the idea of, like, the backup quarterback spot in general. I was a bit surprised they went with youth for quarterback depth. I kind of assumed they were going to sign a vet after the draft. Um, it felt like if you're already going to have a, like, be starting a young quarterback, it would have made more sense to me to have a guy who's kind of played a lot of games, who's kind of been there, done that, and, like, is is used to just, like, quarterback meetings to be, like, more of a voice in the room, to be more of, like, a, a vet etc as the backup so that was kind of i was a little surprised that they went with like assuming clifford is going to be the backup he's been the third quarterback so far in otas i believe uh, at least based on the first ota practice it wasn't clear on this one um so i was a little surprised that they didn't decide to go for a vet for the number two guy but uh we'll talk about it a little bit i i think i'm higher on clifford than almost anyone uh i'm but we'll, we'll talk about it um but let's move on to uh, a little bit more on Clifford. And let's start with the athletic profile. And I think that is one of the enticing things about Clifford is he is a plus athlete. So he does have a 9.04 relative athletic score at the quarterback position. Um, he is 6'2", uh, 216 pounds, um, with uh, pretty decently sized hands, uh, 9 and 6 eighths, I believe that is. No, 9 and 5 eighths uh, inch hands. Um 30, 30 and a half inch vert, uh, nine foot, eight inch broad, uh, which is up in the 83rd percentile. Really nice 40 yard dash at 462, which is up in the 93rd percentile with a really uh, elite uh, 10 yard split as well at 1.6. Um, great agility is 4.25 uh, shuttle, which is around the 81st percentile, and a 6.84 uh, three cone, which is the 95th percentile. Um, so a really good athlete at the quarterback position. Um, some athletic comp, uh, comps for him based on RAS are uh, Deshaun Watson, C.J. Beathard, Mitchell Trubisky, um, so players you've heard of, and then Matt Scott out of Arizona and uh, Shazan Mumphrey out of New Haven, so some players you might not have heard of, but some athletic quarterbacks that he compares favorably to. Um, he actually has a better relative athletic score than Jordan Love, uh, despite being smaller, so that's something to keep in mind. 
Um, but yeah, so I think one of the things that is really a selling point for him is his overall athleticism. Now, he doesn't have the strongest arm, and he's not the most accurate, but he has really good athleticism. And Dad, he was very productive at Penn State and played there for a long time. Do you want to talk a little bit about his production there? Yeah, so he started for what, five five years for Penn State? No, I think, I, know, I I guess, think I guess four, four years at Penn State years, as yeah. a starter. He only, I guess you know, he, he only had a few uh, dropbacks in uh, 2018, but four year starters, lots of reps, lot, lots of work. Um, apparently chased off uh, Will Levis. Yep. To, to Kentucky. Beat out Will Levis for the job was the reason Will Levis went to Kentucky. So, you know, Will Levis went top of the second round. Something to um, think and, about. And some of the kind of the raw stats, he's Penn State's all-time leader in passing yards, passing touchdowns, and completion percentage per Dane Brugler. And 2022, well, except, you know, throw out 2018 because it's a tiny sample size, like seven passing times. But 2022 was his best year for yep, overall is... PFF rating and passing and passing rating. So that's encouraging anyway. He didn't have his, his like, counting stats weren't as high, but his efficiency, yards per attempt, um, TD to interception ratio, um, turnover-worthy plays, all improved. Um, in his last year. So that's, that's encouraging. There's some other things. Certainly. Oh, do you want to, do you want to add a little bit more to that? No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Right. So then if you look at some of, some of the advanced numbers, um, and and I kind of, if you look at either like um, players who had a, you know, a decent number of dropbacks um, in 2022 and across all classes, he was like, 23rd out of 121 in adjusted completion percentage. So that's, you know, giving credit when the pass was on target but dropped. Um, and also 23rd in turnover-worthy plays. So you get penalized if, you, if it, it's still counted as a turnover-worthy play if a pick is dropped. Um, but not a turnover-worthy play if it bounces off your receiver's hands and then goes for a, a, an interception. Um so what really is your own fault and not somebody somebody else's? Now, other things. So that's, well, you know, kind of top fifth in the nation. But he's only 82nd yeah. in average depth of target. Out of, this is out of, I think, like 121 qualifiers. And 52nd in yards per attempt, attempt. And kind of slow on the trigger. 80th in time to throw and only 88th in big time throw percentage. So I think he's feasting on a lot of sort of short yardage, high uh, um, percentage pass attempts. Yeah, and I mean, in his last year in college, uh, 8.5, like dot, which is like essentially how far down the field you're throwing, amongst like quarterbacks playing 50% of dropbacks, 58th in the league. Uh, he threw 22 touchdowns and seven picks in his last year in college, which is, I'd say it's fairly good. Um, he's just, it was kind of like a, like a middle of the pack, like upper, upper half quarterback in a lot of metrics, kind of like right around yep. middle in a lot of metrics. Um, it's just not, like it's not the boat. I did, I did like this one that you saw that I missed about, uh, um, his play against pressure. The, yes. So he did have the 18th lowest pressure to sack conversion rate, uh, which, you know, it's not a perfect stat, but it might indicate some good escapability. Um, a lot of pressures are not turning into sacks. He's able to get the ball out, um, throwaways, et cetera, which is like, I know that's n- literally the opposite of sexy, but you know, that's <laughs> what you want a backup quarterback to do. You don't want them to kill you out there. And the fact that he's not taking a lot of sacks in terms of like the number of pressures he's getting, um, is a good thing. Um, in terms of what scouts thought about him, they were not very high on him. Uh, is, is yeah. the, and, the and, resounding and thing is most people is- were not high on Clifford. And if you look at his tape, it's a bit all over the map. You know, he's got some nice highlight throws. Of course, you could probably find highlight throws from us every QB. But he's also got some throws like, whoa. That was like, who was he throwing to there? You can't even tell. It's like so so far off target. And and I Um, think that the accuracy the accuracy is the biggest question mark with him. Like Brugler said, like this this is a quote from Dane Brugler of the Athletic, who had him as his twentieth quarterback. 
Quote, overall, Clifford throws well on the move, and NFL teams love his toughness and smarts, but his current decision-making and ball placement are too inconsistent for what is required at the next level. And then Zierlein, I took this from Packers Wire. Quote, mobile four-year starter with desired NFL intangibles and leadership, but a lack of passing talent. Clifford will have his moments, but he doesn't consistently deliver the ball with accuracy and timing. His arm strength falls below the mark. So I think a lot of things you you hear for him when you read what the scouts say is... Really good intangibles, really smart, like in the, like in meetings, which is good for a backup quarterback. That's, that's a handy trait to have. I know it's, it's not exactly something you'd necessarily want to hear, like as the first thing you hear when you're like, oh, you took this guy in the fifth round. What's he good at? It's like, well, he's really good in meetings. That's, well, yeah, it's, not, I mean, how, it's kind of damning line, with, with the line lack of passing talent. Ouch. It's, it's not great. Um, I feel like it's a bit harsh, and we'll talk a little bit about how I feel yeah. about him personally. It, 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 and I had seen some things, kind of other quotes about him. About some of it is they was blamed on like bad footwork, and so that he's in terms of his accuracy that it's got bad platform, causing throws to sail. And so maybe some of that is fixable. Uh, maybe, maybe you uh, might think so, but do... at the same time, at the same time, talk. he's been at a, a high-level program for four years. I think assume, like expecting him to get better at things is, I, I, I think, might be a little bit wishful thinking. Like, he's had a lot of reps. Like, if he was going to get better, I think he probably would have. Yeah, um, let's see. But How at many, the same time, you know... He's, he's thrown 1,300 passes in his college career, so it's not for lack of trying. Yeah. It's not for lack of trying, and he's, I mean, he's been a four-year starter at a major college program. It's not like he was at some, like, smaller school where it's, like, might not have the best coaching. It's like, no, you're at, you're at Penn State, you're in the Big Ten, you're playing against high-level competition, you have the best coaches, like, you were probably, if you were going to improve, you probably would have. That's a good targets, too. Jahan Dotson, um, yep. who was drafted um, Hamler, early I think, last was there year. for a bit. And, um, the guy this year, uh. Parker Washington, Parker Washington got drafted, yep. so he's had some guys to throw to as well. Yeah. Exactly, and you know, I do. We want to talk about personal thoughts first, or do we want to talk about what the Packers said about him? Let's see what the Packers say about him first. Okay, so here are some Green Bay quotes. Uh, I took these from Packers Wire as well. A really good resource if you're looking for just kind of like um, an aggregation of Packers news is really good. Um, this one is from Lafleur. Quote, Sean is a guy who is really intelligent. He's played a lot of games. He's got some athleticism. He's a natural thrower. All the things we look for in quarterbacks, he possesses. We had him up here on a 30 visit and went through the meetings with him and were impressed by his football acumen and overall intelligence. And then Gudikin said, quote, start a lot of games in the Big Ten, a lot of experience, really good athlete, liked his arm talent, brought him in for a pre-draft visit and really liked the makeup of the person. So it sounds like he really crushed that pre-draft visit. And then the second Gudikins quote that I think I was talking about when I was talking about the run on quarterbacks is, quote, with Sean Clifford today, there was a quarterback run and a lot of quarterbacks underneath him went. So as we looked at it, we had a number of choices up there that were all kind of the same, but there weren't any quarterbacks after him that we felt strongly about like we did him. That made it easy. So in some ways, yes, I think part of it had to do with the fact that there was a massive run on quarterbacks right before they picked Clifford but at the same time it sounds like he did like really kill his pre-draft visit is good in meetings like a lot of people a lot of scouts and a lot of people around Penn State have said and you know those are qualities you do want in a backup quarterback but dad do you want to talk a little bit about what your impressions were watching him well so I did what I haven't gone in and I meant to but I didn't have time to do like a whole game of his like best and a whole game of his worst but he does have the ability to, to run, get out of the pocket, and then try to make something happen. Um, sometimes he's on target, make some nice throws, um, fit into tight windows. But sometimes you see the ball just sails or is like way off from the guy he seems to be throwing to. Um, so it's a mixed bag, as kind of you might expect. But also, you know, in this much of a mixed bag where some of those bad throws are just really bad that you might expect somebody with that to go a little later. Um, but maybe some of the things are fixable if he can like improve his footwork at, uh, when, at the release. And maybe Clemens can work some magic on him. But uh, oh, I, one thing I wanted to say about you know, that, that quarterback run, there were like, and the value of the pick, before we talk about wrap up on our own, own thoughts, is um, I think there were like seven picks in seven quarterbacks in a span of like ten, a dozen picks 
So it was a pretty dense run. Pick 127 to 149. Not one, two, three, four, five, six quarterbacks in like a yeah. 15. It was a it was picks. a massive run on quarterbacks. Like it was a legitimate massive run on quarterbacks. And I yeah. think some people and, said uh, they would rather have had. I think Tanner McKee was the one that some people were higher on. Was it him that that yeah, went later than Clifford? And that was from Stanford. Went later. Um, there's another guy. So. So who went next? So he was the 11th QB taken, and most of the Rangers here are somewhere around like 18 to 20 um, in the QB rankings. Other players they could have had if they wanted to get a another center to challenge uh, Olu Oluwatimi from Michigan or Luke Whipler from Ohio State. Um, if they wanted to kind of double up on safety or get a safety earlier, Daniel Scott from Cal went before. Um, Really, running back Evan Hull, who they had in for a visit, or Moro Ajomo. So those are guys I think that they kind of passed them. So what I think happened in the end, and so now kind of if I want to transition to my own thoughts, um, what he was was I think a very kind of cerebral player, and I think what they did is considering the pack. So now you look at it in hindsight. Like the Packers' plans for backup QB seem to have been set a while ago to get their backup in the draft. They didn't want to pay for a backup QB. And so was Clifford the last one who was any good who was left? You know, the only ones who were taken afterwards were uh, – so Jaron Hall, Tanner McKee, and Max Dugan were the only other QBs taken in the draft after him. So only 14 total taken in the draft. Um, or maybe only so maybe only two after him. And then maybe the other guys think he was an unquote. Um, and, but maybe he could be like really effective as a backup. Maybe his better skills are to be a backup. It's a ringing, and, ringing endorsement right there. No, but maybe that's what they're drafting him for. Say we don't want, we don't need, we we need somebody who can analyze the play, um, relate what he sees to the starter, and give him some advice rather than somebody who's going to run in there. Um, I do like the fact that. His athletic profile is in some ways similar to Love's, but with better agility, especially. Um, he's got really, really, uh, as you mentioned, um, great agility. And I've heard some other people give opinions about, well, maybe we don't want another QB that's so similar. Maybe we want somebody with a different style. I actually feel the opposite. I'm in favor of the backup being as similar to the starter in style as possible. So the offense doesn't need drastic changes if the backup needs to come in. A great example of this is how the Baltimore Ravens have set up their backup for a couple of years now with um, Huntley behind yeah. Lamar Jackson. Hey, that's See? that's Pro Bowl that's Pro Bowl quarterback Tyler Huntley to you. Right, and so he was set up to come in and run the exact same offense, and they didn't have to change everything around him. And I think that is a smart way to build your team. Yeah, Personally. and if we uh, let's let's transition to to my thoughts as well, unless you had anything to add, because yep. I feel a lot of the same ways. I feel like he's kind of an ideal core, like backup quarterback. I think having a backup quarterback with a lot of mobility, which Clifford has, is a good thing. I think, like to me, when I watch him, I feel like I don't think he's as bad as people were saying. Like I was expecting him to be a lot worse, honestly. Like because people were like, oh, he. They, like several people had like not draftable grades on him. Like I think PFF was like lot, not was like yeah. not draftable. Was like was like not a draftable grade. I I heard people on I can't remember was saying like it was impossible to like grade the Penn State wide receivers because Clifford was so bad. And I was like, okay, like come on now, like, let's <laughs> let's settle down a little bit. I mean, he's, I don't think he's I don't think he's that bad because like when I was watching him, to me, he reminded me a lot of Taylor Heineke. Where it's like kind of gunslingery, that's, not that's not super wild, accurate, running wild, untouched to the Packers defense, uh, Taylor Heineke. But the thing is, like kind of gunslingery, not super accurate. The like the throwing motion isn't always the most consistent. But Taylor Heineke's been like, like he's probably one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league, and like Taylor Heineke is like. Like able to make plays off schedule, able to run around, able to be on the move, will throw some like what are you thinking passes sometimes, but 
if you get Taylor Heineke in the fifth round, I think that's a fine pick, in my opinion. I think that's super valuable for a team. Like, if you get, like, a mobile quarterback, like, in the fifth who can, like, maybe, like, go, like, two and two in, like, a four-game stretch. Like, that's that's what I think of as Heineke, at least. Like, I think that's he's a good athlete. For a backup. I, 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 I think that's the... This, I think I, I don't think the bar is, is, is two and two. Well, this is... I should say, this is with a hope for a backup. Is that... When the yes. backup has to come in, can you go 500 for the games the backup is in? I think that's if you're doing that, I think you're you're doing you're doing well. Yeah, I think so too. But that's the thing is, I think that like he's a good athlete. He's played a lot of football. He's very experienced. Um, and the Packers really did did need like another quarterback. Like like I would have probably preferred if they had added a vet. Um, that, like there are some guys I think at the time I'm having trouble remembering who it was, but there was a couple I had in mind that would have been just like decent, like vet options who are like career clipboard holders, but like are very good in meeting locker rooms. And maybe if Clifford's that, then that's very handy as well. But I, I, I do think that like Clifford could end up being like a Heineke type. And if you get a Heineke in the fifth round, that's like a very valuable pick in my opinion. Yes. Yes. And it's somebody that you feel is good enough to come in and play a couple games for you. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, is there anything more you want to talk about with Clifford, or should we move on to Lou Nichols? I think it's the main thing. It's like, you're like, okay, this maybe wasn't what I got to do, but they needed to get somebody somewhere to be a backup based on what seems to be their plan. And so this is the guy they yeah. wanted. They, they, um, they, it's a, there's a little danger. They needed a backup. Attached. They, they needed a backup. He is a little on the older side, too. He's 24, yep. um, is something to keep in mind. So He's, right, but, yeah. he's older than love. Right, he's like a couple months older than Love, so he's their veteran. He's their veteran backup. That's true. They did get a they did get a vet backup in the end. But anyway, let's let's move on to Nichols. I think we've talked enough about Clifford. Um, the next uh, player we're going to talk about is the other one of their their first of their uh, two offensive seventh round picks. Sorry, I had to think about how I wanted to say that. Uh, Lou Nichols the third, running back out of Central Michigan, pick two hundred and thirty five. He's uh, almost twenty two years old. Um. Very productive back out of college. Dad, what were your initial thoughts on him? So my first thoughts was, okay, this is one of the running backs that um, they interviewed. They had him for a visit, I should say. I was expecting slash hoping for a seventh round or UDFA running back. I didn't think they needed to go any earlier than that um, because of having Dylan and Jones both back. I didn't think they needed to like grab somebody with a higher upside like the third or fourth round. Um, and he was on my radar because of the Green Bay visit. I don't know if he otherwise would have been. Though, I think I like Evan Hull, one of their other visitor visits, a little bit better because he has a little bit more athleticism. But he went earlier um, in the draft uh, before they had a chance to, to – earlier than I thought the Packers should pick a running back. How about you? For me, I, I just think that, you know, seventh round is where you take your shots on running back. Uh, so I have, I have less initial thoughts on the player in, in specifics because I wasn't as familiar with him. Um, but to me, just like taking a running back in the seventh round, that's good process to me. You take your shots there, see how they pan out. Um, I think running backs are more a function of offensive line and scheme than anything. So I, I think the process was good, so I was happy with the pick, I guess is kind of how I landed on it. In terms of physical profile, though, uh, we'll talk about that right now, I guess. Uh, he is not the best athlete. Uh, 7.91 relative athletic score, um, unofficial because a lot of them are pro day numbers. Um, like we said, he's 5'10", 220, uh, 22 reps on the bench. Um, so good size, not the best height. Um, good reps on the bench. A 37 inch vertical is very good explosion, 86th percentile, but only a nine foot, uh, seven inch broad, which is closer to like 40th percentile. It's not quite good at all. Bit of a slower back, 4.6140, which is just about average at the position. Um, but an elite 10-yard split, at least, with 87th percentile, 1.55. Um, and then poor agilities, uh, or I guess a, a good a good shuttle at 4.2, but then a bad three-cone at 7.43. really bad three-cone um, there. Yeah. And, and, yeah, but, but both of his splits are, just, are, are great, actually, his 10 and 20. That's, I think, the yeah, thing to, he, hang, no breakaway to hang his hat on. Right, so that's the thing. Yeah, and just just no breakaway on, speed at all. Like is the thing. He's not going eighty yards because somebody's going to catch him. 
but he's got some good starting bursts, which, you know, it, it, and some of that shows up on tape. And then we can look at his, his comps are mostly, you know, not, they don't mean much to you as you, as you look at it. It's RAS comps. Um, Rudy Johnson from Auburn, yeah. Cedric Benson from Texas, Rashad Mendenhall from yeah, Illinois. But... That's somebody I heard of. It's like, it's like, I know, I know Mendenhall and I know Benson. I mean, we, we know Benson from playing against the bears for all those years, but you you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's more of like the thicker built, like heavier players. Um, he is like, he's a thicker back. He's, he's, he's dense. As I like to say, he's got a dense, a dense frame and he's kind of that or or less flattering. You say he's got that bowling ball build where he's, he's short and, and big and not, uh, not at all to be confused with the wide receiver. Yeah, and you know he has the slowest forty time and the worst broad jump of Green Bay running backs drafted, um, and priority Udfas. Um, he's the the first in I guess six years without a broad jump over ten feet amongst um, running backs they've taken. Um, but only uh, Goodson and Aaron Jones have better ten and twenty yard splits, uh, and he's like. 12 to 23 pounds more than each of them respectively. So, you know, there, there, there are some things to like. Um, I would say like the athletic profile is a bit worrying, but then when you look at the production, that's, I think where he shines. And do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the year to look at, it's been kind of a theme for this year. Drastic. His 2021 is much better than his 2022. His 2021 was in some ways amazing. He led the nation in yards from scrimmage, all purpose yards, rushing yards, and yards per game in 2021. He had 1,846 rushing yards. His overall grade, PFF grade, was 84.8 elite in 2021. And then he he came back substantially in 2022 at 62.5. His yards per carry, yeah. so they were coming down, is had 6.4 in 2020 with only 78 attempts, not so many. Then he had 340 carries in 2021. At five point four yards per yeah, carry. Yeah, and, and, and something to something to add for that though. Something to add for that though is in twenty twenty one they had two linemen who ended up leaving the next year to go to the NFL. So, it pretty much two two of their best law, offensive linemen left, and then also their starting tight end left as well. Apparently, who was one of their better players yes. didn't go to the league, but was one of their better college players. So this may be why his twenty twenty two was so much worse, where he only he he. he Went from going five point four yards per attempt to three point five. Um, he also has the ability. He's also a decent pass catcher. I mean, he his um, what his backfield target shares were uh, six six point target shares of six point four percent, eleven point eight percent, and eight percent the last three years per player profiling. And his college dominator, so this is mostly as a receiver, is in the sixty eighth percentile. And his target share was in the 81st percentile, also per player profiler. So he's he showed the ability to be a bell cow back running the ball and also catch passes out of the out of the backfield. Um, he rarely lined up. Yeah, like, and when you have when you have line. a player when you have a player that has a lot of carries and a lot of work, there's like I think there's like kind of something that's like it go it cuts both ways because like one on one side like. A lot of tread on the tires. On the other side, it's like, has proven he can take on a massive workload. So I feel like you can look at it both ways. And I just wanted right. to say that it, to play devil's advocate. So it, right. it, I mean, you can look at it both say, ways. Oh, man, he got overworked in 2021. Is that why he was down in 2022? I mean, showing the wear and tear. But uh, he, he, and then he had um, most of his passing targets right out of the backfield, uh, really low as typical for running backs, average depth of target yard so a lot of screen passes as opposed to kind of moving all over the formation and getting out in the slot and things like that but and and a decent yak 8.2 yards after catch per reception um and like our other some of our other receivers higher drop percentage in his final year than previously it was like 7.1 and 9.1 percent in 20 and 2021 and 19.1 percent in 2022 yeah and it seems like you know with with a lot of these players, you know, like you were saying, 2021 was better than 2022 for most of these players. I mean, we said it about Wicks. Uh, we said it about, Reed. oh, shoot, there was another one as well. Reed, but, Reed big time. Yep, said it about Reed. In, uh, 21 and 22. And Wicks just off the but charts yeah, it, better than 21 so, and 22. Yeah, that, that one's like 
that was that was the first one that popped to mind because it was so different. But but Nichols, you know, I mean, he was essentially he was one of the best running backs in the country in 2021, and I think you step back in 2022, not the best athlete, but like, hey, if you're banking you're banking on essentially in the seventh round, it's like you're not going to get athleticism production and like you're not going to get everything. Like you're kind of banking on one thing at that point, and they're they seem to be banking on that production. Um, in terms of, did you have, have anything else you want to say about production or should we talk a little bit about what scouts had to say about him? I think I covered most of it, but yeah, but basically shows kind of well-rounded, uh, ability to do some of everything, including some pass pro. And I don't know if you've got anything yeah. on that. And I mean, so. he's got the build for, he's got the build for pass protection. I mean, 220, you know, should be able to take on linebackers. Um, in terms of what scouts had to say about him though, uh, Dane Brugler had him as this running back 26, Quote, with his blend of quickness and power, Nichols can be a tackle breaker and won't need gaping holes to reach the second level. But he can be methodical at times as he follows his blocks and needs to better anticipate openings before they present themselves. Overall, Nichols is a productive, determined runner with solid feet between the tackles, but his next level potential will be capped by a lack of creativity with the ball in his hands and inconsistent passing down skills. His workhorse approach could get him on the field in the right situation. And then Zeroline took this from Packers Wire. Quote, early down back with good size and power, Nichols runs with solid vision and the ability to create yards after contact, but he needs room to gain momentum and doesn't have the wiggle to create for himself if the blocking falters. He's smooth in his cuts, but he lacks the suddenness and play speed to stay a step ahead of NFL defenders. Nichols has an outside chance of making an NFL roster. So, you know, sounds kind of like the scouting profile of a guy who would go in the seventh round, guy who would be a priority UDFA. Yep. Outside chance of making an NFL roster, that seems to be the epitome of a seventh rounder. And other things I saw exactly. about him is that he is pretty good at picking up blitzers. And as you mentioned, he's got the build for it, 220 and a low center of gravity. Um, and also, yep. I think, willing to stick his I nose mean, in there, which I think is something maybe the Packers liked about him as making him their running back of choice as a late-round flyer. Yeah, and it, it sounds like when, what Green Bay has said uh, it's going to be kind of an opening, like an open competition between Taylor, him, and Goodson for that third running back spot behind Jones and Dylan. Um, I couldn't find too many quotes from the Packers about him, um, so I kind of just decided to supplement it with the uh, some quotes from his running back coach Cornell Jackson at Central Michigan, who, by coincidence, was also Aaron Jones's running back coach at UTEP. So that's kind of a fun connection. They had the same running back coach. Apparently, um, he used to show uh, Central Michigan highlights of Aaron Jones uh, as kind of like teach tape. Um, but just a, a quote from his running back coach, quote, he loves football. He never missed practice, never missed weights, never missed nothing. Um, and that was from a uh, Sports Illustrated article by uh, Bill Huber about Nichols. Um, so, you know, uh, a good player. I think personally, my thoughts about him, uh, a bit uninspiring in terms of like his burst and top speed. Um, seems like kind of a bit of a plotter, but you know, the production in college is undeniable. Um, and that alone is worth like a flyer in the seventh was kind of my, my general thoughts. Um, I do worry a bit about like the lack of speed, lack of top speed, um, and like lack of like general explosiveness, kind of like limiting him in a special teams role. And those third running backs do have to like contribute a lot on special teams to get on the roster. So I think that could be like a bit of a block in terms of him getting onto the roster, getting onto the 53. Um, and that's like my main concern with him is just like, how much can he contribute on special teams? If he's not like a, like a, if he doesn't have a lot of speed, um, but only time will tell. Maybe it could be a good personal protector. If he's a good pass blocker, you never know. Um, but I know we're getting in the weeds a bit there. Dad, what did you think about Nichols? So overall, you know, I thought it was sort of super productive. I, I, I kind of liked some of his, you know, decisiveness in hitting the hole when he gets the ball and like going to straight ahead. And he had, you know, I think some bursts on that, you know, initial line of scrimmage at the line, of scrimmage. And, and maybe once in a while, like being able to put his foot in the ground and make a single cut, um, as opposed to like having a lot of like jukes and uh, wiggle. And you could see, you know, some of those like maybe ten and twenty yard splits in some of those plays. But you can also see his forty time as he's, you know, he's not going to go as we mentioned earlier, like eighty yards to the house. He's good. You could he gets caught behind from behind. He, if he gets through to the second level, somebody eventually runs him down. But he also one thing I would say in his favor, he really had in his second year. I don't know if I have the numbers on here. A lot, a high number of ten plus yard runs um, in his junior year. So his best year. So that's something that's kind of kind of it was like uh, I forget how many it was, but it was 
it was it was a, a very high percentage. So that so in terms of the consistency mm-hmm. of moving of, of getting some chunk yards, even if you're not breaking off the 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 the, the big uh, um, housing house house the ball runs, he still was was moving the chains with uh, a lot of these a lot of good runs. And maybe that's yeah. it's, it's and, something you know, to hang a side on. So we'll see what happens at the next level. I mean. I don't have super high expectations for him. I think, you know, got to be uh, all purpose back. Well, is he going to be better than Taylor or Goodson? I mean, those are the guys I think he's competing with. That's He's the 17th running back taken in the draft. Um, the only one running back was taken after him, Kenny McIntosh, who was, his testing was much worse than Nichols. He was only a 4.09 RAS. Um, then a few other possibilities, other positions, uh, Jake Witt, uh, we mentioned from Northern Michigan, Jomo, there's some of the receivers they could have taken, or Corey Trice if they wanted to have another quarterback in addition to Valentine. Um, there, are, there are a few ways they could have gone here, but mostly uh, players who didn't get drafted at all but were unfits. Uh, they, but they could have like brought in another run-stuffing defensive tackle, for example, which there are you know, some options there instead of and then getting a Udfa as a running back. And maybe you know uh, Nichols still would have been available um as an up but they, maybe they wanted to make sure they yeah. got somebody they they had had some hey, ability I, that you like. you beat me to it by exactly and you beat me to it by saying because it sounds like based on what i've seen from uh a couple other things around twitter's a lot of people like wanted him as an undrafted free agent it sounds like uh just just kind of based on like pol- polling of fans essentially and so it's you know these seventh rounders are usually just like people you would like be your first picks as your udfas uh, and so, you know, getting first dibs on him there sounds like kind of a good move if it was someone that would, uh, be wanted by other fan bases, you know, not a bad decision. Um, anything else on Nichols you wanted to say? I mean, seems like, you know, got the right attitude, maybe not the best athlete. I think it's going to be tough to beat out Taylor cause they seem to really like Taylor. Um, Taylor, I, I'm not sure. It's I mean, in some ways he's a lot like Taylor where he's sort of a jack of all trades can catch some out of the backfield can run the ball mostly up the middle as opposed to speed around the outside and can do some pass pro. Um, and how many running backs are they going to keep on the 53 this year? I mean, they only did two last year and that basically rotated in from the practice squad for part of the year. And maybe they'll do that again. I don't know. Yeah. At the time when they kept two, we were like, Oh, they're saving the spot for Kylan Hill. But then Kylan Hill got cut like halfway through the year. So who knows? Yep. So, anyway, that's kind of all we really had on Nichols. These seventh-rounders, there's not quite as much to have. But let's move on to last one of the day. And the last pick the Packers had in the draft, Grant DeBose, wide receiver out of Charlotte, taken with pick 256. He's also almost 22 years old. He did start at Miles College, uh, but they did cancel their season in the 2020 pandemic. Um, He was kind of working odd jobs and then kind of got a chance to try out for Charlotte. And I guess it was just, they were like, wait a minute, this guy is uh pretty dang good. Let's get him in yeah. here. The, um, but the dad, what were your initial they, reactions for him? Yeah. The, the lecture for the trials, he like ran three routes and they're like, okay, you're good. You're, you're on the team. We don't need to see anymore. So whatever Kinda, did, you know, um, Wesley, were, Wesley Snipes vibes in uh, major league where he just, just ran on the field. And they... every, outsprinted everybody on this in, in like, you know, what socks or dress shoes or whatever the heck he was wearing. Yeah. But what, what were your initial thoughts on DeBose? So a third wide receiver was something I expected. So I expected too early and a seventh rounder, just like last year. Um, and But I only had him on my radar in the last couple of weeks before the draft because people were starting to mention him as a possible Packer. Um, and so he wasn't the only one I had on my radar as a seventh rounder. But I was glad they took another another guy who seems to have some upside was my initial reaction when he was picked. So like, I was like, Okay, I could see that. Um, not surprised. Um, it was also it was like the third to last pick in the draft or something. It was really late. Hmm. Yeah, and that that's kind of how I felt too. It was like I was excited for him for like for the where they got him. I was very excited. I had been seeing him go like kind of sixth and fifth round, um, and that just tells you how much we ended the draft where we're excited to be getting a guy who was going in the sixth round in mock drafts in the seventh round. So I was excited about that. You know almost the last pick of the draft. Like I, I think it's a, a nice pick for a seventh rounder physically. He's a really good athlete. Um, move on to that now. Uh, eight, 8.79 relative athletic score. Uh, he's six two two Oh one. 
uh, six two and a half almost two hundred one, um, thirty five inch vertical and a ten foot broad. So uh, good composite explosion grade. Um, speed wise, a four, five, seven, which, you know, it's not amazing, but it's right around average, but an elite 10 yard split, a 1.52, which is in the 94th percentile, uh, which amongst uh, receivers, yeah, super, which is very super, good. Really, really high, uh, 10 yard split. That seems yeah, to be so a really quick off the line. A lot of the Packers players are actually, even when their 40 time isn't so great, you got a number of them with really good 10 yard or 10 and 20 yard splits. And we had this whole discussion about this at one point where, okay, you see, is somebody really going to be able to make it in the league with such a bad 40? And it's like, well, maybe having a good 10 or 20 is good enough. And the re- reason you have a bad 40 is because as a low success rate is because that almost always correlates with a bad 10 and 20 yard split. Mm-hmm. And we haven't had the time to go into the weeds about can you see a difference between players that have good splits with a bad 40 as opposed to bad at all three and, and success rate? Just exactly. interesting thing I'm throwing out there. And then agilities were fine. I, I mean, his shuttle was poor. A 4-3-2 is like right around the 46th percentile. Uh, but the three cone was good. Um, ran the 79th percentile with a 6-8-9. Um, his athletic comps for Rass aren't anyone you would ever heard of, uh, but per playerprofiler.com, Dubose has a 41st percentile speed score, a 54th percentile burst score, a uh, 53rd percentile catch radius. Uh, they put him in the top 55th, uh, 55th percentile um, in all-time in athleticism. Um, and their player profiler comp is Jacoby Myers, so who is now a receiver for the Raiders, was a receiver for the um, Patriots for a while, had a good amount of success in the league so far. Um, his... Uh, Senior Bowl speed measurements. Uh, you want to break these down for us, Dad? Yeah. So this is uh, what, the, what is it? The zebra tracker, or whatever they, they put in the in the jersey yep. or the helmet somewhere to measure their on field speed. Um, and so his his they they measure their top speed, their fastest acceleration in yards per second squared, fastest deceleration, and total number of explosive efforts. Is like I forget how that's defined in like the top 10% of um, acceleration and deceleration plays, something like that. I forget exactly, sorry, I forget exactly how the explosive efforts are, are, are defined. But so his top speed is not that great. And kind of what you see in his 40, it's like, it's middle of the pack. And he's actually below 50% tile all time amongst receivers. So I've broken this data down by position. So among the 70 receivers, he's in the bottom in top speed. However, in kind of keeping with his um, splits, he's above average in max acceleration and explosive efforts and in the top 20%. So in the sort of what you'd be like, Rass is great in deceleration. So kind of his like stop-start ability seems to be a strength of his on the field based on the uh, um, senior bowl speed measurements. And that's something that you can see I think, yeah, and in some of his plays as well. I was just going to say he, he was playing against lower levels of competition at Charlotte. Um, so he is going to look like a better athlete than everyone out there on the field. Kind of like something similar we talked with, with Carl Brooks, but you know, that's kind of what you want to see. I would say he did look pretty dominant. His production wasn't crazy at Charlotte by any means, but you know, receiver production in a lot of ways can sometimes be the function of the quarterback. It's not like he has like the best quarterback in the world throwing the ball to him. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about production? It sounded like you wanted to add something a little bit about athleticism. I was going to say more about the senior bowl. I think he did. He, he, you know, carried himself pretty well in the one-on-ones in the senior bowls. I remember watching them, you know, winning and enough reps against high level competition. And I feel like he actually even still did okay when Charlotte kind of played up in uh, competition, able to get some plays. Um, Again, he's another one who had a better 2021 than 2022 um, in terms of his kind of raw production and the PF, PFF grades are not that different. He did, um, so he got, uh, what was his total? He had like 889 yards in 2021, 793 yards in 2022, um, you know, 12 to 14 and a half yards per reception um, in the two years. His um, 
decent yards after the catch per reception, 4.8. I mean, not not great, uh, but his depth of target is pretty good at uh, 11.7. He did most of his work, I would say. It had his best rating when he was targeted in the middle and the right of the field. So I think he's mostly lining up right and then crossing in the middle and not much as not nearly as much work on the left side and mostly in the like the the zero to 10 yard segment and the 10 to 20 yard segment uh, this is all per pff and very little effective usage as a deep target over 20 yards only two of 13 total targets were completed to him at over 20 yards and producing you know one td and three interceptions when he was targeted um that deep um, for his career, he caught 125 passes on 210 targets for 1,688 yards um, per player profile. So some of the things that are kind of – he had a breakout age of 20.2, so 56th percentile there, and a college dominator in the 50th percentile. And But yards per reception at the 21st – and the yards per reception, not the 21st percentile. But uh, so kind of sort of mid-level receiver by some of the, some of the metrics. Um, his QB rating – when he was targeted by NFL draft buzz was 94.9 and for PFF 95.1. So those are um, matching very well. Um, his quarterback, Chris Reynolds. Yeah, probably, but it looks like, it looks like here his, his court, uh, quarterback rating when targeted was actually lower than uh, his overall quarterback rating. Right. The, so his quarterback actually had a pretty good, had a good rating in 2021 and 2022. It's slightly better when in overall, then um, Dubose's quarterback rating when targeted. So he's not actually lifting. He's kind of, he's close to what the quarterback was doing when, when targeting everybody. So it wasn't like he was kind of carrying the team. He led, he led Charlotte receptions, but not mm-hmm. yards in 2022. And he led the team in receptions and yards in 2021. Um, there was one player in 2022, Elijah Spencer, who had a higher QB rating when targeted than DuBose did. And he transferred to Minnesota after this year. Um, and he was more of the down, yeah. I think their downfield threat than DuBose. Yeah. And for DuBose, you know, scouts were actually had like pretty decent thoughts on him. For instance, Brugler had him as his wide receiver 27 and had him in the fifth to sixth round grade. So to get him in the seventh is nice. Uh, quote from Brugler, quote, DeBose owns a good size frame and plays even bigger with his natural ball skills and mid-air adjustments, regardless of the coverage. But even with hesitation routes or double, double moves, he will struggle to create early or vertical spacing against NFL-level cornerbacks. Overall, DeBose plays with the body fluidity and catch point talent that increases chances of finding a permanent home in the NFL, although he has work to do to be considered more than just a jump ball weapon or zone beater. He has rotational value as an NFL rookie, is kind of what he thoughts. So, you know, some things to work on. Personally, I felt like watching him, just like, for a seventh rounder, he has like Brugler said, really nice um, build and body control. Um, I felt like, like I said, like Carl Brooks, it seemed like he was just more athletic and better and way more sudden than the players he was playing against. Um, I felt like his flu- uh, his hips seemed very fluid and he got in and out of his breaks really well um, and cut up field really well with the ball in his hands, I felt like. I do, um, so something to say is he has not really practiced yet with the Packers, which I think is a bit concerning. Um, I think he missed all of rookie camp and then has not practiced in the two open portions of OTAs. So that's kind of something that's a little concerning and maybe a reason that he fell to all this all the way to the seventh. Um, but just something to keep an eye on. I think if he's healthy, a really exciting seventh round pick is kind of my personal thoughts. Yeah, I think uh, what I would say about him is, you know, that, so we haven't actually seen him, unfortunately, at OTAs to see what it is. And at these time frames, there not have been that many time covered by whatever this injury is so we have of course of course not heard anything about um i'd say he's kind of a strong frame wide receiver and one thing i think fans are going to like people are going to like having having him on their team and will hate having him on the opposing team if you love yourself some smack definitely from your team this is your guy he loves to give so he gets a lot of contested catches especially in 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 the uh in the end zone where he's they're basically Going up in his like moss players. So he loves to give the too small hand signal. You're catching a making a contested catch over somebody. The the too small is such a classic celebration. It is iconic. And I, I love every time. Every time. If he if he did that after every catch, I wouldn't hate it. You know those quarterback those cornerbacks hate it. <laughs> when he's when he's giving them that signal after just, you know, mossing them in the end zone. Um and overall, I would say 
is the thought is there's some other possibilities um they could have gone could, so they could have gone different directions with this pick as a late if they wanted to get a developmental offensive lineman there are a couple like um um Ojuku from Boise State and um what's his name John Gurridge from Florida who were offensive tackles they went uh, uh, and, the, and I thought they both had potential but it seems like the Packers were more interested in going a different direction than developmental offensive linemen. I feel like they had enough of those. Um, but if you, but I did like the athleticism of some other receivers who went undrafted. Matt Landers from Arkansas and Bryce Ford Wheaton from West Virginia, who's like the most athletic uh, wide receiver in the draft. They're both taller than DuBose and significantly faster, like 4-3 something speed as opposed to 4-5-7. And Landers had had more yards, so mm-hmm. you could have seen the Packers go in a different direction here with both of those players being available. And so something they liked about Debose more than either of those, and they could have done also something completely different by going for like a run-stuffing defensive tackle, which they did do. They got to kind of gap-penetrating defensive tackles. So in another direction, they could have gone. There were there are some options for that as well. He was the thirty-third wide receiver taken in the draft, the last wide receiver taken in the draft, only four picks before the end. So he wasn't quite Mr. Mr. Relevant. Um, so hopefully he'll be Mr. Relevant for the Packers. So yeah, I think he, he does have some ability to, <laughs> okay. to make some plays. <laughs> okay. That's enough. That's, That's enough. enough. Out of you. Uh, you're, no, you're, no more puns. Uh, you're, about you're done. You've, you've, you've had too much. I'm, today. I'm, I'm bringing you back to the rails. <laughs> we're done. We're, we're wrapping it up. But anyway, Thanks so much for coming and listening to us break down some more of the Packers rookies as well as the Packers second open OTAs. We appreciate you with uh, sticking for us. We appreciate you for sticking with us this long. There we go. That's what I meant to say. Uh, we will be doing another episode next week. We will be covering the last three rookies we have left, which are Anders Carlson, Carrington Valentine, and Anthony Johnson Jr. Last of our deep dives. And then we will still be doing an episode a week until the season starts when we will be doing two episodes a week like we said earlier come give us a follow on twitter at father son packer if you like what you heard uh come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice spotify apple google etc etc youtube we would very much appreciate would really help us grow our numbers good for the algorithms anyway thanks so much again for listening we hope you enjoyed this talk to clifford we talked uh lou nichols and we talked to bose and we can't wait to talk about more players so until next time go pack go Go back, go.